Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you visit Arizona... Time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. <sighs> Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, and this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be unbroken. Our goal in company is to bring on guests and experts in the fields of mental, physical, and psychological health to help you overcome the past, to take back your power. And in this podcast, we are unedited and unfiltered, and we're going to give it to you real so that you can start to create massive change in your life. If you're curious about learning more outside the podcast, you can get a free copy of my book, Think Unbroken, at book 
book.thinkunbroken.com. That's book.thinkunbroken.com where you can get a copy of my number one best-selling book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. The most important thing that you can ever do, my friends, is show up for yourself and that's where you are today. And I appreciate you. I have massive gratitude for you. And without further ado, let's get into the show. We'll be right back to the show, but before we do, I want to take a moment and tell you about my new book, Unbroken Man, A Man's Guide to Being the Hero of Their Own Story. I sat down a few months ago and realized that there are so many men in the world that need guidance, that need support, that need to learn about trauma, removing themselves from toxic masculinity, breaking down the barriers to vulnerability, getting unstuck, and ultimately learning the tools to become the hero of their own story. Unbroken Man is available for pre-order right now if you go to men.thinkunbroken.com where you'll also get access to over $1,000 in bonuses, including the six-week in-depth trauma healing coaching app, which you'll get instant access to. I created Unbroken Man to be accessible to everyone around the world, but it is written for men from the guise of a man, and I hope that you will find it to be a practical tool on your healing journey in the same way that thousands of men around the world have. So check out men thinkunbroken.com to pre-order and until next time be unbroken hey what's up unbroken nation hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today super excited to be back with another episode of the think unbroken podcast with my guest carolina jad kavalska she is a certified alcohol free life coach who helps empower women to make alcohol insignificant in their lives, which I think is a beautiful mission. Welcome, my friend. How are you today? Michael, it's so good to be on your show. Thank you for the gracious welcome. Super excited for our conversation today. So I, I think about this all the time, and, and I've had my own ebb and flows with alcohol. And most importantly, what I think about is typically it starts off in this place where it's something that people lean in towards because it helps satiate, salve, get rid of, hide, mask, pain, right? However it is that you want to step into that. So I'm really curious, before we go into to too deep into this conversation today, tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to how, where you are today. Yeah, it's so interesting that you start there because like we all are initiated into this alcohol, you know, living in the society we live in, like unless you grow up in Saudi Arabia or places where it literally consumption isn't normal, like we all deal with this. It's all something that is brought to us in our younger years um, for myriad of different needs and reasons, right? Like we could start drinking to feel like we want to fit in. We could start drinking to feel like uh, we're independent or adult or rebellious or that it is helping mask some insecurities. You know, it's a time rife with insecurities and just transitions in life when alcohol is introduced to us. And what I really find is that we pick up these habits when we're like 17, 18, 21, doesn't matter. And then we kind of don't really look at them ever again. We're just drinkers for the rest of our lives until something really bad happens, you know? And that's kind of not how my story went. Like a lot of times we hear about the very problem drinker, the person who, you know, hits rock bottom, has a DUI, is just severely, severely, severely over drinking. And they they really have to quit and therefore become an alcoholic and therefore go to AA and therefore be in recovery for the rest of their lives. And that's kind of the story that I always heard around alcohol. If, if that wasn't your story, then you drank. Like if you weren't an alcoholic, then you drank. That's just what normal adults did. And so as I was trying to find myself in that kind of uh, extreme between the two ends, I had a lot of uh, I had a lot of just uh, doubt and insecurities about my relationship with alcohol 
you know, I was someone who partied a lot when I was younger. When I was in college and grad school, I had no boundaries around alcohol. I was drinking almost every day, going out every night. Like it was just a free for all. And then something happened to me, though, when I started to get older in my mid 20s. I wanted to settle down. I wanted to be responsible. I wanted to be a healthy adult. I wanted to have boundaries around alcohol in my life. And so I, I was really intentional about making those. Um, I saved drinking for the weekend, right? So instead of being something I did on a Tuesday night with the bar scene, you know, it was, okay, I'll go to a dinner party on Saturday and and maybe the brewery or, uh, you know, sushi night, like all these kind of normal drinking occasions that adults have. And I just figured that if I could make alcohol small enough, if I could just compartmentalize it to the weekend, there wouldn't be a problem with it in my life. And basically I lived in what I call this moderation illusion for years. And so every Monday I woke up with the best intentions. I was like, this is going to be my best week. I'm going to be so healthy. I'm going to eat so well. I'm going to be super productive. And I kind of lived that pattern for a few days until obviously it was Thursday or Friday. And then drinking came out, you know, and leaving me every Monday, then feeling super depressed, super physically unwell, uh, really like all the steps I put made forward with my productive week. It was like I was now five steps backwards. And I just couldn't quite figure it out. I was like, wait a minute. Isn't this what everybody's doing? Isn't this like work hard, play hard, like the whole point, you know? And I couldn't quite figure out what I was doing wrong with alcohol. And I kept trying to drink less, you know, like if I could just get under this many drinks a week and if I could just no IPAs, you know, it doesn't matter like what I tried. I still woke up feeling behind. I still woke up feeling like it wasn't serving me. But I just had these like I didn't have examples of people deciding that just because something is normal for other people, then it doesn't mean it like deserves you. You know, I just had these extreme examples. But finally, I heard a dry January. And, uh, you know, dry January is a month that uh, many people elect to take a, a break from alcohol. And obviously, it's could be done out of health, out of reset, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, there it is. There's my excuse. You know, I always wanted to take a break from alcohol, but I felt like there's always a social occasion on my calendar that completely prevented it. I couldn't fathom going to the wedding or the dinner party and not drinking there because I thought that, well, that's going to mean something bad about me. You know, that's going to signal to people some bad story that I didn't want them to think. But dry January was my excuse. And so I tried it and I basically fell in love. Like I slept so well, so deeply. I just had so much more presence. I was healthier. I was playing a lot of board games with my husband, just doing kind of new things and getting really comfortable in my skin. And that February, actually, I did go back to drinking because I was like, well, I'm an adult. I can't just not drink. Like my brain could not compute that. And so I drank a few times and it wasn't even that much. But like the moment I had a drink, my mood shifted. Like I was super appreciative and uh, feeling a lot of gratitude and awe when I wasn't drinking. And just like one or two drinks in, I'd get frustrated, cranky, even start little fights with my husband. And I was like, holy shit. This is not what I thought it was. Like, I don't like this at all. Right. And it kind of that contrast really gave me the confidence to say, like, I don't want this anymore. And it wasn't like a black and white decision at that point. But I decided to take another break. It was going to be another 30 day break. But uh, four years later, here I am. And honestly, my life exploded in the best possible ways. The confidence I got from like working on my Achilles heel and smashing it every single day, every single day, winning, you know, over this vice I had, it really rebuilt my self-esteem, which was literally crumbled at that time because I always let myself down. I always broke promises to myself. 
Uh, I rebuilt that self-esteem. I got that confidence. And I was like, holy shit, if I could do this, I could do anything. Like what else have I been telling myself I can't do? And so in a really short time, in just a few months, I completely got out of my comfort zone. I launched a business. I never thought I could be an entrepreneur. I was like, an entrepreneur is like a white guy from the Silicon Valley who's like a tech genius, right? (laughs) Who gets like venture capital money. Like I was like this shy foreign kid. Like I just, in my mind, I never thought I could do something like that, right? So I launched a business. I always wanted to be an author. I always always wanted to write books, but I never wrote, basically. I just didn't have the discipline or the courage to do it. I wrote the first draft of my book in that year. I pushed my body to like new limits. I ran a half marathon, believing literally that if I ever ran that far in my life, my heart would stop. And so it was just this defiance of all these limiting beliefs I'd previously put on myself that I was like, no, like literally anything is possible for my life. And it was so incredible and so like so much growth that I had in that year that like I just became obsessed with sharing that message with other people because my story is really not that atypical. Like I have now worked and encountered hundreds, if not thousands of people who have done the same thing. They made this one change, one change where they remove the thing that's not serving them in their life and like their dream lives come cascading towards them. Obviously, there's a lot of work involved and and whatnot, but it's just this incredible lever, I think, that we can push. And I don't think we really talk about alcohol in our society enough. And so that's kind of my backstory and why I do what I do, because this isn't like just for people who identify with having a severe problem. Like alcohol is a presence in our world, no matter who you are. You know what I mean? And being able to be really insightful and curious about it, I think, is one of the healthiest things you could do for your growth and your health. And so that's kind of you know, that's kind of where I come from. And that's where this message lands on. Yeah, I I resonate with a lot of that. Um, I think particularly what comes to mind is looking back on my own journey. And alcohol was it's everywhere. And look, I'm everyone knows I talk about on the show, I'm, I'm not not a drinker. I just don't drink frequently. Like even right now, I woke up weeks and weeks ago, I was like, I'm just not gonna drink. I don't know. Tell when? I don't know. Doesn't matter, right? It's it's about making the choice and decision for yourself. But I recall being in in my mid twenties, working in corporate America, being in this position where I just had access to really do whatever I wanted, and alcohol just being like such a precursor for all activity, all friendship, all relation, all interaction, all community, all like literally all every. Like I go back. Now it's well over a decade ago. I'm getting older, but I go back to then and I just sit and I think and I'm like, shit, like when was alcohol not a part of my experience from 13 until basically 26 years old where I dove into like my first real legitimate break. And I sat down one day and I calculated, which this is, you want to really get fucked up, calculate how much money you spend on alcohol and it'll blow your mind. And I recognized in this calculation, I'd spent like over 150,000 dollars on alcohol, right? Think about how much your life changes with $150,000. And that led me to this place in my life where I was like, oh, interesting. I've got to navigate this from another direction. But so much of it, you know, in, in the beginning, there was pushback, right? People are like, don't do this. Don't do that. You know, if you come to the bar, just drink, do a shot. It's fine, man. It's cool. And I just be like, nah, I'm good. And I watched the dissipation of relationships, of friendships, of social contracts, right? And what I'm curious about from your perspective is, you know, how do you navigate your social life, especially with with confidence, without drinking, 
while having this idea of, you know, fear of missing out, of being the outsider kid, of, of judgment, of shame, of guilt, all of the things that come along with making that choice? Yeah, that's such a good question, because I think like, that's where our biggest kind of objections come from. Like, you're right, it's a, it's a social convention, it's a cultural norm, it's like the standard, this is just what you do, you know, if you live in this time and place in the world. Uh, and it's really hard to see outside of that box. It's kind of like unplugging from the matrix to see a bigger picture. But I really think it's kind of twofold. Um, you know, one is really getting the confidence to socialize as the real you. And two is to really get the confidence to also not worry about what other people think. And so personally, like I'm an introvert. I grew up pretty shy. Like English was not my first language. And so when I first started drinking alcohol, um, you know, pretty regularly, I was in high school and I remember it being like this magical elixir, you know, like, oh, this is the drink I drink. And then I become bubbly and talkative and like a like a butterfly, like a social butterfly, you know, and I absorbed that message that I needed alcohol to socialize like through the whole decade of my 20s. You know, I never went anywhere with socializing where like drinking wasn't involved either. You know what I mean? Like, like kind of like you were sharing, like alcohol was always there. And I, I felt really insecure kind of in myself. And I, I felt also really insecure as a drinker too, because it was like, oh, great. Well, what did I say last night? And did I have too many in front of them? Did I have wine teeth, you know? And so what I really realized with a lot of kind of introspection is that like, I was telling my subconscious over and over and over again, you are not enough. You need to have a drink in order to be likable, to be relatable, to be interesting for people to want to talk to. And that was the message I was telling myself every single time I felt insecure and reached for a drink at a party. You know, like you were just as you are authentically, your spirit, your humanness is not enough. You need a drink to be better. And I, I didn't understand all this. Right. I didn't know that that's that that was the deeper kind of core of my motivation. But I realized when I went alcohol free, like learning how to be confident and comfortable in my own skin as I am, no masks, no false artificial crutches was paramount to my personal growth. And it kept, felt awkward at first, obviously, you know, and it can feel awkward at first, the first few times you do it. But it's like, there is like a real spirit inside of you that you just need to unleash and like really work on that personal growth challenge. I think the second thing is twofold is then it's like, okay, well, it's not just about being confident without alcohol. We also then live in the world that expects you to drink when you go to these occasions, you know, and, and unfortunately, we've put such a a divide between this idea of normal drinkers and problem drinkers that like, if you want to be considered normal, you drink. And if you want to be considered a problem, you know, that's the people who aren't drinking, right? Like that's the way we, we think of it. So most of my clients will immediately think like, well, what are people going to think of me? You know, I work with a lot of health conscious women who are in a very similar boat to me. Like they're drinking, maybe over drinking past the health guidelines, but it's not like they have vodka hidden in their closet, you know? And they're scared that if they don't, show up and drink at certain occasions, that's what people will think, you know, that they were literally like Nicolas Cage from leaving Las Vegas. And nobody wants people making up these horrible stories in their head. And we just have such a huge social pressure around it. Like everybody loves dogs, everybody has children and everybody drinks, right? You kind of go out of that, those little, those little things we've all agreed on. Um, and you're kind of the, the rebel or the outcast. So Obviously, we do worry about what people think, but as you know, any entrepreneur, anyone who's ever done anything risky in their life or taken a different path, like sometimes you have to take the road less traveled to be able to, um, you know, really achieve like your best self. And it's really interesting. I, I I wrote a book about this, and I did a lot of research on like kind of. 
levels and motivations in the States. And upwards of 52% of all people actually want to drink less or not at all. And around 60% of drinkers drink way above the health guidelines. So I'm sure the percentage of people who just drink even a little bit above the health guidelines combined with the way above the health guidelines, we're talking like 90% of all drinkers. Most people aren't doing it, right? Most people are over drinking and most people wish they weren't, right? So when you go to a party and you're the one that's not drinking, you're the one who's ordering a mocktail that night or getting sparkling water and going to wake up really feeling amazing. Half the people in the room actually wish that they were doing what you were doing, but they just don't have the bravery or the courage or the introspection to do it yet. And I think knowing that can be so powerful because you're no longer the outcast. You're the role model. You're the inspirer. You're the leader. You know, like the greatest movers and shakers in our society don't drink or drink so infrequently like you. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Tony Robbins doesn't drink. Deepak Chopra doesn't drink. Gabby Bernstein, Brene Brown, like the people who both of the presidents of the last eight years don't drink, you know, whether side you're on, like they became president for a reason, right? They're both non-drinkers. And so it's so interesting to me to really align it as this like power move, you know, and something that other people want that you're actually doing. And so when people act poorly or, you know, they're, uh, they're cajoling you or egging you on, it comes from such a deep insecurity in their own drinking that it's actually nothing to do with you. It really isn't. And you're just holding up a mirror to other people's behavior. And I think as you continue growing, as you have, you know, you find that like the people who think a bar until 2 a.m. is fun every night, they kind of start falling off your radar. Like you want to be with the movers and the shakers of the world, you know, the people who are really making an impact and doing and making a difference. And uh, it's really cool how you can start attracting more of those type of people into your sphere um, if the other ones kind of aren't working anymore. Yeah. And I think a lot about that also is like recognizing alignment with who it is that you are. And and this isn't an indoctrination into not drinking and it's not, you know, it's not violence against drinkers. That's not what this conversation is, but it's about looking at and, and contemplating the impact that it has on your life. If you're this person who's sitting in the room on the other side, looking at the, 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 the non-drinker and going, man, I wish I could figure out how to navigate that, right? That That's what this is about. Because I think about being in these positions where, man, I, I I would drink beyond this space of like blacking out because I never really bla- I blacked out one time in all of drinking. It was the first time I drank tequila. I was 19 years old. I did like three or four shots and a margarita because I was like, I assume this is how you do this, right? Because I'd only ever drink like fucking wine coolers and beer up to that point because I never have access to anything else. And I never knew what to get at the store when it's in the store except for E&J, which was a disgusting brandy. And, and so I'm in this position, 19 years old, have that moment, have that experience. And then I started thinking about, okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to party in a way that I can just be drunk for extended periods of time and never get to the moment in which I forget anything. And that's how I existed in that scope for mm, probably the next six years. And, and you talk about looking at it from a health perspective, I was exhausted. I couldn't think straight. I was making poor decisions across the board in all avenues of my life. And I was using this drinking as an excuse for when I would do something really fucking dumb, which I assure you I've done a lot of really fucking dumb things. And and now I look at it as whether it's a celebration or a glass of wine here or there, it's, it's a part of my experience still. I think one of the things is because it is so catalyzed in this idea that 
if you drink and you stop or you move in a different direction, you're probably an addict or you need AA or whatever that thing may be, you know, that stigma carries with it a tremendous amount of weight. And I think the thing that people don't understand, which is what I did not understand at the time, which now I do, of course, is that I was leveraging drinking as a as a coping mechanism. It was there for stress. It was for the upheaval of all of the chaos of my life. And had I had other things like journaling and meditation, whatever, right? Maybe you had a different story. If you're this person and you're on the other side of the room and you're like, I wish I had the bravery or courage with your words there about being able to step into tapping into sobriety to see what it feels like because I've been so removed from it for so long, but I know that drinking seems to be my coping mechanism. How else do you deal with stress? How else do you find something healthy as an alternative? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and, you know, I share that statistic about the um, percentage of people who want to drink less or not at all and, and who, who over drink not to be like, look at these, you know, these people don't have it figured out, but more so like, this is everyone's problem. Like this is like, we, I think we grow up to think that alcohol only affects a few people negatively and most people just drink normally. Like that's not what any studies or any statistics really show us about this. Right. Uh, this is how most people feel about alcohol, like feeling like you can't figure it out or can't get it right, or don't know the elusive balance of alcohol in your life to feel productive and healthy. That is everyone who drinks like that is what they experience. And And I really love to get down to the science of alcohol because it's not you that's the problem. It's not you that can't figure it out. It's not you that's doing it wrong. It is literally how alcohol functions on the human brain and the body. And what you mentioned here is really great because like we do, I mean, there's such a culture around it that we have such stressful lives. We have such stressful days. And then alcohol is like the release at the end of the day. It's the way you can relax. It's the way you can kind of let go and turn off. And that has been so ingrained into our culture. We have like obviously cocktail hour. Now it's called mommy juice for moms. Like it is this pervasive thing that alcohol relaxes you at the end of the day. And the thing is, is that like when you look at it, uh, you know, I believe that too. Like I believe that alcohol is the signal to my brain to relax. Um, And so when you, when you really look into the science of it though, sorry, Michael. Yeah, I'm here. Do you have an editor? No, just keep going. It's fine. Okay. I hear the dog. It's this okay. is real life. This is part of the human experience. All right, awesome. I don't. No I don't worries. think anyone cares. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. So my dog is okay. up here making some noises. But uh, you know, when it comes to alcohol's effect on the human body, um, we it's a depressant, right? So it slows down our neurons. It slows down the way that our brain can function. It kind of numbs our experience, and so we we take that as a signal of relaxation. But at the same time, our body is this like really delicate machine and it has a process to counteract that. So alcohol will actually then induce the release of your own body's mechanism of releasing stress hormones. So you'll release cortisol, adrenaline, and another chemical called dynorphin anytime you drink. Dynorphin is kind of like the opposite of endorphins. It makes you feel pretty low and depressed. And so this happens usually a few hours after drinking, you feel it the most. That's why most people have those like three or 4am wake up calls. Like they literally got shot with a, with a shot of adrenaline. Like your sleep is super fragmented. It's hard to fall asleep. Um, and then obviously a lot of people feel it the next day, even if you didn't drink that much, like it's like this, this hanging anxiety over you. You can't think very clearly. You feel a little bit lower. You feel like you have more stress in your life. So physiologically, alcohol is actually tied to anxiety on a molecular level in the human body. It does not relax you. It does not actually, you know, 
relax that human body at all. And kind of learning that really helped me understand like, oh my gosh, it's like turning my brain off for a second. It's like going into a coma, but it's not actually helping anything. You know what I mean? We'll be right back to this episode of the Think Unbroken podcast in just a moment, but I wanted to invite you to come and join the Think Unbroken Discord community. If you don't know about Discord, it's being built on Web3, which is a platform that we as the users get to own. So no more Instagram or Facebook or algorithms getting in the way of you seeing and, and being a part of content. In the Discord channel, we're going to grow this to hundreds of thousands of community members, hopefully over time, but today it's small, it's close, it's intimate, where you'll be able to get access to live coaching with me, where you'll have chat with the Unbroken Nation community, where you can talk about a range of topics, anywhere from thinking about habits and growth mindset, goals, trauma, recovery, dating, relationships, career, accountability, business, meditation, feedback, and more. And so all you have to do is go to thinkunbroken.com slash discord. That's thinkunbroken.com slash discord. That's D-I-S-C-O-R-D to join the Unbroken Nation community. Uh, I think it's such an interesting conversation because we have this such a strong idea that alcohol relaxes us, and yet physiologically, it's just doing the complete opposite to our bodies. It produces more anxiety. It produces more rumination, more um, like thoughts of recrimination, just like the monkey mind goes crazy, you know, after a night of drinking really. And so like, how is any of that relaxing? And when I first took my break, I really had to learn like, okay, it's not about taking away your treat. It's not about like, you know, you don't, you don't deserve to turn off at the end of the day. It's about finding stuff that actually works, you know, and that you like a lot better. And that isn't maybe as fast with the immediate gratification, but it's like planting a seed. You know, you you learn to meditate or you learn to work out or you learn to journal and process your feelings. The thing is, like, for me, most of the reasons why I wanted to drink after work was like I felt pretty stressed. I just wanted to turn off. And I always couldn't wait for the weekend, you know, and I didn't realize that these feelings I had of restlessness, frustration, stress, boredom, I kept drinking over them. Right. I never got to heal them, process them and understand what they're really trying to teach me. When I took my break from alcohol, you know, obviously some of these feelings were still there. And I had to lean in, like I had to process them. I had to understand, okay, what is this restlessness trying to teach me? And I really fundamentally recognized, like, I'm not fulfilled with my career. I don't feel like I'm doing what I was meant to do on this planet. I'm bored. I'm literally bored. I might be super stressed doing a ton of stuff that I don't care about, right? And so that emotion of actually letting myself feel boredom, of letting myself feel restlessness or stress let me shift my life in ways that really aligned with my values and my vision. You know, I think emotions really work like that for us. Like they come up for us to teach us something, to show us where we need to make a shift in our lives, to show us what needs to be healed and what needs to be processed, not for something to just like squash down, to keep pushing down, to keep uh, distracting over or numbing over. You know, there's a, a writer, Debbie Ford, she, uh, she passed um, a few years ago, but she used to have this analogy that like, all our lives, you know, we're told not to feel our emotions. Like, don't cry, don't make a scene, you know, don't get excited. Like, this is stuff we hear in our childhood. And uh, obviously, we're never even taught healthy coping mechanisms for most of us. And so we do that. We, like, push them down. And it's almost like we're treading water in this, like, in this ocean. And we have these giant beach balls that we're trying to keep submerged under the water. And we're trying to tread the water and keep the beach balls, you know, underwater. And maybe we have the energy to do it like in our 20s, maybe even up until our 30s. But eventually, like we will tire out 
And it's like this beautiful process. Like, what if you just let those beach balls go? What if you just let them come to your surface, process them, heal them, and let them go? And if there's incredible shifts that might happen in your life as a result of it, like, what a beautiful thing, you know? If, if you feel frustrated, per, for example, every single day because your partner doesn't do enough around the house and you take care of the kids and you have the job and, you you know, like, that emotion should not be distracted or numbed away. That That emotion is telling you, like, okay, we need a boundary here. We need a conversation. Like, things need to change, right? And I think it's so easy to um, just want to just distract, like I said, the uncomfortable but it's the most uncomfortable emotions that help us really process. So, you know, journaling, like you mentioned, is such a great tool to get into that, you know, and really uncover, like, why do I have a craving? Why do I have a need to just, like, turn off at this moment and really kind of uncover what the underlying feeling is there? Meditation, exercise is really good. I love personally also, like, watching the sunset. Like, it's such a beautiful ritual for me. It's the evening. Like, it, it totally tells my brain, like, you know, be alive, just be alive to the beauty of the world every day. Like there's miracles, like nothing petty that happened today matters. You know what I mean? Like watch this beautiful sunset. And also lastly, there are thousands upon thousands of alternate drinks now on the market. Like there are so many cool crafty drinks that don't have alcohol in them, whether it's alcohol free, like IPAs or wines or like soft cocktails with ginger and pineapple and there's so many concoctions out there. There's stuff with nootropics. There's stuff with adapted tonics. There's elixirs. There's so many things. So you still decompress over a drink. You can still signal the end of the workday with a drink. You know, like wanting something to treat yourself or something special in the form of a beverage isn't like a wrong desire. Just choose something without ethanol in it, you know, and see how that works. Because oftentimes we have a placebo effect anyways, you know. And so I, you know, still being able to treat yourself at the end of a long day um, it's like not about deprivation here whatsoever. It's about really finding something that works. And then obviously too, you, you don't numb away those feelings and wake up feeling worse for wear. You actually did something proactive about it, or, or you really relaxed your body to be able to handle it later. So, um, those are some of the, the coping mechanisms I love and use. And, um, like I said, alternate drinks are, I love, I mean, even just like a spin drift. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those, but I, I love those. And, uh, you know, it, it's, again, not about deprivation. It's just being, like, really curious about, like, leaning into my feelings. And, um, you know, even with taking a break from alcohol, it's not forever. It's not a black and white thing. Like, if this piques your interest for anyone listening, like, just try it. Just experiment with it. Just see what it feels like for a little bit. Yeah. And and go against your own. You know, here's what I think about a lot of that. It's like you're, you're going against your own programming, your own conditioning. Uh, there's nothing more effective in the world than than alcohol marketing because it's literally everywhere all the time in all circumstances. And and when you understand that and that you've been effectively programmed into it, can you argue against that conditioning? It's the same as a placebo effect. You you go through, you do the same thing as all of the other people. You have the assumption the thing is happening. Uh, there's actually been studies that prove you can get from a placebo effect drunk. Like it is, it can happen, right? And so, you know, drunk within whatever the context that exists in. One of the things that that you hit on that that I want to dive in a little bit deeper is in these moments of, of sobriety is you, you get to understand and know yourself better. You get to have this closer view and vision into who you are. There is clarity that comes with, with just stepping away, whether you're, you're sober for a week, a month, a year, the rest of your life. I don't think it matters. What I do think is interesting is that there's clarity to be had in that moment. And in that moment is, yes, it is uncomfortable. And yes, it is awkward. And yes, you're going to learn things about yourself. 
And I've had the experiences in my own personal life and people I have coached where they're like, man, I, I, I was sober for X amount of time. And I started having these things called feelings and emotions and responses. And I stopped being reactive and I started being proactive. And more importantly, I started thinking about what it was that I wanted to create in my life, what I wanted to build, what I want to do, who I want to be, how I want to be it, because I had clarity and forethought and insight to myself that was not clouded. Because look, at the end of the day, one of the things you have to recognize is like alcohol is poison. Like any vice that you have in your life, there is an aspect of poisoning happening from a biological standpoint. Maybe, maybe not. It depends on what you're into. But ultimately through that, you get clarity, right? You step away from it and boom, it's your, your cleansing yourself effectively. That's what I think about. That's how I step into it. One of the big reasons that before the nights before recording podcasts, being on stage, if I'm writing, if I'm deep into something emotional, I'm not drinking. I'm not touching it. It's not even on the table. And more so if I'm in a, a phase of building like I am right now, not going to happen for months. When it does, I don't know, maybe it'll be a celebration after a milestone. Who knows? That's up to me to figure out. But in that, one of the things that I'm really curious about that I know that you talk about is how removing alcohol from your life can actually help you achieve your goals. I'd love to know more insight about that. Yeah, and I think you've uh, you described it really well as like this clarity that you get is is really key. So alcohol is like a chemical cocktail in our brain. Um, and it's so interesting because like this just isn't common knowledge. It's not anything I knew before. But alcohol can really twist our feelings and emotions. Um, it actually like completely lowers your happiness neurotransmitters in your brain. And then it's pumping up those stress hormones that I was talking about earlier, like cortisol and adrenaline. So like your feelings aren't like necessarily even real, you know, when you're drinking. And, uh, you know, a lot of the thoughts that come with it, too, it just it harbors a lot more uh, room for that inner critic and just a lot more cynicism and just like negative thinking. It really can. So you remove that from your life. And, you know, personally, I drink every weekend since I was 18, like without, you know, without any exception, I had no idea what my natural state felt like. So when I removed alcohol in my, out of my life, all of a sudden I'm getting this like natural joy because my neurotransmitters are rebalancing my, my, uh, like my dopamine, my serotonin, my GABA is going up. And then all those stress hormones are going down. I have so much more clarity because of that. Like I can really lean into things. I have presence. I have patience. I have just so much more awake and aliveness to my life. And I think there's something to be said also with your intuition that really comes into play because I think for many of us, you know, when we are engaging in the vices, when we're definitely like doing something for too long or too much that we know like isn't serving us, like we get this voice, you know, we get this voice coming from our intuition, like you're made for more or, you know, like you are bigger than this or you deserve to live life better than this or whatever that voice is telling you, it's telling you, there's more. There's more than this merry-go-round you're playing, this playing small that's happening right now. And I get we get so good at ignoring that voice. We're just like, no, not today. Don't don't bother me here. You know, and it's and it's so loud in the early morning, right? Like it's like after a night of drinking, that's when it's like really loud, like, come on, Carolina, like we deserve better, you know? And for so long I was just ignoring that voice. And so just the act of finally listening to that voice, just taking a shot at listening to that deep knowing, that new, that wisdom that knew that this would explode my life in the best possible way is strengthen this really cool connection with my intuition. So I listened to it, right? And then what was really cool is after that, it started speaking to me more. And I started hearing more messages, more signs. You know, like I uh, I told you, like my idea of an entrepreneur was like a tele 
like a, a tech genius valley guy. I didn't even imagine ever launching a business myself, you know? And I even if I were to contemplate it, like I didn't know what it would be or what I would do. And like I had this flash of inspiration, just like something hit me from somewhere else, like the divine. It was crazy. I'd never thought about it before. And all of a sudden, in one afternoon, I created a website. I had actually my entire book like outlined, like what the chapters would be that are now coming out four years later. I had this entire vision that just struck me from somewhere. And it was such this like this belief that not only is it the clarity, not only is it the intuition, not only is it your creativity that really starts coming out because like a lot of us drink out of boredom. It's like what you do in the evening or on the weekends. And when you actually allow yourself to you allow yourself to get creative. You allowed yourself to innovate, to do new things, to create something, to build something. And I think lastly, you get this confidence because, you know, you can you can go after your Achilles heel, like you can smash it every single day. And and especially when you start going longer stretches that you've never done before, you know, if you've never drank, if you've never not drank on the weekend, the first time you do that, you're like, oh, I did it. I'm a badass, you know, and then you do like two weekends or you do a month or you do 50 days and you're like, who is this person? Like, this is so incredible. It's kind of like running, you know, like the first time you run a mile or two, you're like, yeah, I got this. And then you run five miles and you're like, well, am I like an athlete now? Look at me, you know, and then you run a half marathon and you're like, holy shit, I'm like superwoman. So it's the same kind of cascading of confidence. I think that goes, that just goes to show you like, if I can do this, anything is possible. So you kind of take that, that mix of all these new gifts in your life and it really helps you know what you want most. Because trust me, at the end of the day, we don't want a glass of alcohol as the biggest, most important thing in our life. Like it's it's just a beverage. It's an inanimate thing. It is not the most important thing. We want such deeper things in our life. We want to fulfill our purpose and our destiny. We want to have meaning. We want to have connection. We want to have impact. We want those things. And sometimes we we don't know what we want until we really go on this personal growth journey to kind of take away the distraction, take away the things that were occupying our time before and really give us the space to discover what we want most. And then honestly, it comes becomes easy because for me, it's like, you know, fermented beverage at the end of the day versus like my biggest dreams coming true. Like I know which one I'm going to pick. Right. Um, and it's just it's not just me. Like this has happened to so many people where they either remove alcohol or like they're just their their drinking identity like yours is just like not really a thing anymore. It could be occasional. It could be, you know, whatever it is, but uh, it's not the sole focus of their identity anymore. And like magic happens in their life, you know. Um, and so I, I just think that's that's why I do what I do. Like, I don't care what people drink at the end of the day. You know, I'm not like here preaching about alcohol or not. Like, I just want people to be alive and awake to the the profundity of their one life, you know. And for some reason, when it comes to alcohol, like I've just seen the most incredible transformations. You remove that one thing, you experiment with a break, you 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 try it, and like miracles happen on the other side. Yeah, and and that that is so much. And again, to to not harp on it, but it's because of clarity. Because you can have these intuitive conversations with yourself. Because you can write down goals and face the things that are on the other side of your fear, and you can step into greatness. And there is there's space here. Like, do you live your life? Like that's what it's about. At the end of the day, you have to make your decision for yourself. But you know, I, I think about this often about the consideration. Like, can you just consider this? 
right? Nobody's saying it's right or wrong. Fuck. I don't know. I don't know anything about anything. I always say that, but I do know this, like I'm willing to see what's on the other side of challenging myself. And on the other side of that challenge, you don't know what's going to happen. And, and it's easy for people to, I'll say this. If you and I were having this conversation 10 years ago, I would dismiss this entire thing. I'd be like, you're out, you're out of your fucking mind. Like, whatever, you don't know anything. I'm going to go party with my friends. And, and then you discover something really interesting in that, which is that like that lifestyle, if that's the lifestyle you want to have, you have to take into consideration what you're giving up. Like there are sac- there is an ebb and flow to life. There is a sacrifice for everything that you gain, you must be willing to give something up. And I think about it like this. It's like the snooze button, right? When you hit the snooze button in the morning and someone told me this and it was very profound, said you're snoozing on your dreams. I think that applies to drinking to an extent. Like if you want to go out and party on Friday and Saturday nights, instead of building the business and the dream that you have, instead of time with the kids, instead of all the other things that you could be doing that have a massive amount of alignment with the future that you want to create, you have to ask yourself, am I willing to give that up? Because if you are, fine. I mean, I'm not here to argue with that. And I don't think neither of us are here to convince you of what you should or should not be doing. It's it's very much red pill, green pill, right? Blue pill, excuse me. And, and so in that, there's literally a, a green pen on my desk and it caught my eye. So red pill, blue pill. And when you think about that and you look at that and you go like, is this drinking keeping me in the matrix? Like, am I in this thing right now? That's not what I want to create because I tap back into it. And I, I put myself in this position where I'm not being successful. And that's even subconscious to an, a point where you're just like, I just want to hang with my friends. You can hang out with your friends and not drink or get drunk or drive home and be like, oh, I shouldn't have drove home last night. I'll never forget this. One time I, the one and only time I ever drunk, I drunk drove, I was 19 at five of my best friends in the car with me. And we went the wrong side up the road for two and a half miles before anyone realized what was happening. And in that moment, I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's going to be the rest of my life. If I don't think about what's happening and I'll, I'll be happy to say like, I never drunk drove again after that. But I mean, that you talk about getting super fucking lucky. Like we wouldn't be having this conversation without a little bit of luck in that circumstance, right? And so when you think about the context of what's next in your life, you you do have to ask, like, are you willing to sacrifice your future for what you get right now in an immediate pleasure, which actually is a hindrance to you when you understand the biological ramifications, which you just laid out. And so I thank you for that. I think this is a really profound conversation. I know people are going to push back and be like, fuck you guys. I'm going to go get drunk. Good. Go live your like, okay, we're not trying to inundate you into anything. As I said, I still will drink. I'll have a glass of wine here and there. Fine. So be it. Do what is best for you, but follow your gut. Just don't let it be the thing that's in the way of your future. My friend, this has been an amazing conversation. Before I ask you my last question, can you please tell everyone where they can find you? Absolutely. So, you know, if this piqued your interest and uh, what it really is to me is permission, because for so long I was living in the lie in this trap that I cannot change anything here. I am not allowed to. I'm not, you know, I am not following into some stereotype. Therefore, I am not allowed to change this. I have to keep up with appearances. I have to stay in the status quo. I have to be mediocre. I can't do anything different. And that was this lie I was really telling myself. And so for me, you know, this alcohol-free lifestyle is really about curiosity, experimentation. You know, like I knew what I felt like as a drinker, 
I lived that life. I lived it for a decade. I knew how it felt every single day. I knew what it was, what I was capable of. It wasn't very much, you know? And to me, there's this excitement to see like, well, what am I capable as a non-drinker? You know, like let's take an apples to oranges approach because if you only had apples your whole life, you have no idea how much you might love oranges. So that's really where the curiosity lies. But if it piqued your interest, you know, my new book is called Euphoric Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You. And it's a really amazing uh, tool to just kind of dive in. And basically, you'll learn about an incredible benefits of what happens if you take a break from alcohol. Notice I say take a break, not go alcohol free necessarily, because, you know, you got to start somewhere and, and just taking a week or two off could make really crazy transformations in your life already. So it goes over all the health benefits you can go, you can expect. It goes over the mindset benefits and the mental kind of redeveloping positive beliefs about yourself because of this change. Also kind of the soulful things, the deep things that we yearn for as humans, like more connection, more gratitude, more peace, and how all of those built are built into our lives without alcohol and also gives you a guide. So you'll also have an eight week plan to guide you through, you know, your first break or whatever break it is from alcohol so that you really not just willpower your way through it and just change the habit, but you actually change the mindset so that you lose your desires for alcohol to begin with and get hungry on chasing those bigger goals and dreams that are really calling to you. Um, so you can find this at euphoricbook.com and uh, we have pre-orders available right now. And um, there's a lot of cool free gifts you can get with that. I got a free uh, mocktail ebook you can get. We got 50 things to do instead of drinking and also um, a 31 day guide. So that's euphoricbook.com. And if you want the gift, euphoricbook.com slash gift is where you can find it. Um, and then if anyone's interested in just, uh, you know, working with me or looking into, you know, some other free resources like my blog, my podcast, you can find me at euphoricaf.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, my friend. And thank you for being here. Obviously, we'll put all the notes and all the links in the show notes. My last question for you is, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? Oh, that's a good one. You know, I felt so alone. I felt so isolated. I felt like I didn't know how to do life right. But everyone else knew. Everyone else had it all figured out, right? And that somehow I was the only one struggling. And what a what a funny thing to believe that we all we all kind of believe that to some extent and we believe that we're broken and we believe that we're unworthy and that we're not good enough. We're not capable. We're not lovable. We're not pretty enough, you know, whatever enough. And I think there's such beauty into like leaning into conversations like this to personal growth and recognizing that, you know what, that feeling is literally the human condition and everybody feels that way. And we were never broken to begin with, you know, like this is the things, the challenges, the tribulations, the things we've been through have been there for us to grow from. And it deepens our sense of emotional capacity and our, our, our ability to love. And there's just so much growth that can happen from the experiences that we have. And so to me, it's knowing that I was never, it was never broken. I was like living a true hero's journey, you know? I love that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you for being here. Unbroken Nation. Thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, leave a review, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review rate and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, 
comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive. It's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.